Now there's a brand new web page, especially for this podcast. The Politocrat Daily Podcast can now be found on thepolitocrat.com. A brand new page that centralizes all of the places that you can listen to this podcast. The major platforms and many others at thepolitocrat.com. Lots of content that you can see there right now and every single day. So subscribe now to the Politocrat Daily Podcast and make sure you visit thepolitocrat.com. Thank you. Welcome to the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It's Tuesday, January the 26th. 2021. On this episode of The Politocrat, a look at your online identity. What is your online identity? And does it resemble you? An exploration of that and a few other things coming up next. yogas together stays together hashtag perfect true romance vibes hashtag yes. perfect perfect congratulations oh my god it's ingrid sorburn i thought she was in the insane asylum live in the sunshine swim in the sea hashtag That was the trailer, the audio portion of it, 
for the 2017 film Ingrid Goes West. It's a film I highly recommend, actually. I saw the film in the theater when it was released that year, roughly four years ago now, and, well, just under. It was the summer of 2017. And I thought, you know, this thing is actually really good. I I was wondering about it going in. I, I try not to watch trailers before I watch movies. By the way, I hope that you are well on this Tuesday. Uh, someone who is a film critic, I do try to avoid watching any trailer at all before um, watching a film. I like to go in as cold as possible. Bring a blanket with me when I get into the movie theater. Um, but I, I went into Ingrid Goes West about as cold as you could be for a summer in San Francisco in 2017. And I found the thing to be darn good. Aubrey Plaza starring uh, in the movie as Ingrid, the title character. She also was uh, one of the producers of the film. And I found her to be incredibly good. I mean, her performance was very good in the movie. And there was Elizabeth Olsen, who I've interviewed uh, years ago. She did a film, um, I think it was called Mary Magdalene, Martha. You know, it was four names, and I think it was four female names. And she was really good in that, by the way, Elizabeth Olsen, and just wonderful and lovely to talk to. Um, really good conversation. And I may have that conversation somewhere that I wrote up years ago. But anyway, she's in the movie. Um, and so is O'Shea Jackson Jr., who is the son of Ice Cube. Um, Billy Magnuson is in the movie. And Billy Magnuson is excellent in it. Now, the movie has its, um, as you might expect for a film, well, about online identity, which is really what the subject of this episode is going to be. Uh, it has its overtones of creepiness and, and disturbing uh, things. I know, I, I, I'm interested in stuff like this, right? It, it's disturbing. I don't know. I seem to gravi- gravitate to these kinds of really disturbing themes in, in films and, in, and perhaps in life. Because not all of them, of course, but I, I just think it's fascinating. Human behavior is so, goodness gracious me, whatever. Um, perhaps in, instead of becoming an attorney, I should have gone into, I don't know, psychology and sociology more. But Ingrid Goes West is a film I recommend highly. I Just like I've talked about the incident a lot. And, you know, the incident is something I've written about. I've done videos on, which I've just posted one of them on my Twitter account Earlier today, the popcorn R E E L is the name of the Twitter handle, and uh, I did a an anatomy of a scenario for the film, and I'm going to be doing another one. <laughs> In fact, I've already done the other one. <laughs> God, I am obsessed with this film, and it's an unhealthy obsession with this movie, The Incident. Which the more I try to purge that movie from my memory, the worse it gets because I actually become. I go down this rabbit hole and and it just doesn't stop. And, and that's not good. That's not good. But it is a film that's that I'm surprised I haven't seen before because I just love film in general. And as I waffle on here, I'm going to get back to the subject of Ingrid Goes West. And 
online identities. Ingrid Goes West is about Ingrid who goes west to California, to Los Angeles. And really, I'm not giving anything away here. She follows someone on Instagram. Now, I'm sure that many of you listening use Instagram. You have an Instagram account. Instagram, of course, is owned by Mark Zuckerberg, who owns everything, it seems, which is not a good thing. And the antitrust brigade is out in full force for Mr. Zuckerberg, uh, for sure. And quite frankly, deservedly so. He has earned it. But um, as John Houseman would say, right, in those old commercials, Smith Barney commercials from back in the day. But Ingrid goes west, befriends someone on Instagram, and then from there, I'm not going to go any further than that. And then from there, things really get interesting. Aubrey Plaza, as I said, plays Ingrid, and the person who she befriends in the film on Instagram is this person who, you know, she has every follower known to humankind. She's just so popular. And I don't know what she's popular for. When you watch the movie, if you watch Ingrid Goes West, see if you can discern what she's famous for. You know, it's, it's you know, they call people influencers. It's, it's funny because I've been called one. <laughs> I'm not trying to sell myself that short because I, I, I don't believe people should sell themselves short at all. But, uh, you know, these terms that get made up for, for us as people. Oh, you're an influencer. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But I, I don't think that's why I do what I do. And I'm, I dare say that there are people in the world, <laughs> not just myself, who aren't doing things to become influencers. It's, it's interesting how people ascribe terms for you and, and labels and boxes for you to be put in. Oops. Oh, gosh, boxes for you to be put in. That's not the kind of language I should be using. It's like I think I should be kind of whipping, you know, this self-flagellation here. Um, because these times when you start talking about being put in boxes um, and you've got, you know, two million people around the world who aren't with us um, and then people around the world who aren't with us for other reasons, you know, they've got some domestic violence case situation or something else, you know. Anyway, I, I really am trying to, I'm very cognizant of language and about how it's used. And and I really try to be very, I just really want to <clears throat> do better at that. Maybe I'm pr trying to be too exacting, but, I, but it's important to me. So please indulge my um, self-correcting. But I will finally, I promise, tell you about Ingrid Goes West. <laughs> if I could get through one, one, one set, complete sentence without diverting away. But I don't know what Elizabeth Olsen's character is famous for in, in that film. In fact, I don't remember. I've not seen the film lately. Um, I was going to in preparation for talking about this, but with you today, but I, I decided not to. I decided to try to go from memory, which is why I played the trailer that you can watch on YouTube. Uh, I will put a link to that in the liner notes for this episode. And I do promise that I will. <laughs> no, sometimes I say that and it doesn't materialize, but I promise you that there will be a link to the trailer. So you can watch this for yourself. 
if you prefer to be warm before you go into watching Ingrid Goes West, or if you are like me and you prefer to go into movies cold, then don't bother with clicking on the link to Ingrid Goes West, which of course you can find the trailer for by going on YouTube. But the point is, is that Aubrey Plaza befriends the the character of Aubrey Plaza, um, befriends the character played by Elizabeth Olsen. And from there, things get very interesting. And again, I'll leave it at that. But the whole point, as I waffle through here, is to talk about online identities. You have an Instagram account, you know. Um, I know I have one. I, I try not to... <laughs> I try not to have an Instagram account, but I do. Um, you do, we do, we all do, right? I think nearly everybody who's listening to my voice right now has an Instagram account of some kind. So... What is your online personality like? Because in this film, it's just, it's a remarkable thing what happens throughout the movie. And some of it is something that, anyway, I'm not going to go any further. You just have to watch that movie. Ingrid Goes West. I-N-G-R-I-D Goes West. From 2017, it's an independent film and you can find it readily. I believe it's probably on a streaming platform somewhere. It's available to buy or to rent if you choose to do so. It's a film that, again, from 2017, it was directed uh, by Matt Spicer, who I think was also one of the co-writers of the film. As I said, Aubrey Plaza, Elizabeth Olsen, Wyatt Russell, Billy Magnuson, and O'Shea Jackson Jr. Um, so check that one out, will you please? It's probably available on, I don't know, Hulu or... You will find it, I'm guaranteeing you. It's not far away from your fingertips. Maybe it's on Netflix um, or HBO Max or whomever. It's one, one of those places will have it, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but what is your online identity? Honestly, I mean, and uh, do you find that your online identity is close to who you are as a person in real life? You know, there's a virtual life and there's a real life. We live these two lives. If we are on the internet, and particularly if we are on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, then there's Snapchat and TikTok, of course. Maybe TikTok is closer to real... Well, I don't know. I don't use TikTok. But every one of us who goes online, particularly every one of us who has a social media account, we have dual lives, don't we? Is, is that where we are in 2021? We have a pandemic that shows no signs of disappearing anytime soon. This virus is going to be with us for our lives. I know that's such grim news, but based upon what I am seeing doctors saying, they are saying, especially in the UK and chief medical officers in the UK, um, like uh, Patrick, uh, I believe it's Patrick Whitty or um, I forget his name now, Patrick Valance or whomever, Chris Whitty, excuse me, the uh, chief medical officer. I mean, he said this, and Patrick, actually Sir Patrick Valance, who is the, uh, um, I believe he's the, I don't know, whomever, 
One of them, I think it was Sir Patrick Valance, the other day at a press conference alongside, uh, I think, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the UK, had said, this virus is going to boo us for our lives, for the rest of our lives, forever. He used the words forever. He used the word forever. So that's, that's something that's grim. And the truth, it's like the flu. It's the, the flu is a coronavirus, Right? I mean, I think the cold is a coronavirus of sorts. Now, a cold is relatively harmless. The flu kills people every year. But not the way that this does. I mean, this is devastating. And vaccinations, which I'm going to be talking about again here in the next two weeks, um, I'll have a guest on to talk about this with me. Um, and also there'll be a separate episode coming in the next little while about vaccine issues and not, and not about whether or not people want to, to have the vaccination for COVID-19, but all, but really about, um, other things around the vaccination availability and things like that. But anyway, I digress again. This must be a, a world record for digressions in one in one 16-minute segment of a podcast. Oh, dearie me. But I do know where I left off with you, and where I left off with you was you have two online identities. You know, you've got coronavirus going on. You've got two online identities or two identities, one online and one off. How close are those two things together? Are they miles apart or are they the same thing? In terms of how you conduct yourself, in terms of what you say about yourself and about the world. I mean, do you find that you are a different person online in the way you represent yourself than you are in real life? Are you acting? I mean, to a degree, we are all actors, right? All of us are actors. Every human being on this planet is an actor. Except we don't get paid for it. (laughs) We don't get paid for this. Some of us don't. (laughs) There are people who do, but some of us do not. I mean, I, I think, quite frankly, punditry is a certain level of acting, too, to be quite frank with you. Um, well, it's not an issue of frankness. It's just my... Uh, anyway, punditry, that's a whole other thing that I don't want to go into. But I think there's performance. There's performance on television. And punditry is a level of performance. It is a level of performance. You get paid or not, as it might be, because there are pundits who do not get paid a nickel and you get paid to say something and and you are paid to say anything something and you know in advance that it's going to get headlines it's going to get clicks it's going to get retweets it's going to get screen grabs it's going to get clipped and it's going to be retweeted around the world before the truth can get its boots on you know that you know that intrinsically don't you of course you do 
You know that. I know that. We know that intrinsically. That happens. That's the culture we live in. So there's a whole online culture and online identity. And so how much of that is really you? There have been lots of stories done on this over the years in various publications of record or not record where people are talking about who they really are as people and how they define themselves. And there were some observations made in one of these stories from years ago now, to the best of my rusty memory, to the degree that people put on line their best faces, right? There, which is not a big revelation. I think people know that. I think people do that in real life. We put on our best selves. We generally do not put on our real selves. Uh, there's some exceptions to that, of course. But we generally speaking, if you had to go through this world every day and put on your real self, and if your real self is happy and sanguine, then that's excellent. But I'm talking about your real resting self, <laughs> Some people refer to that much more crudely. Here's my resting face. And then they use this word. Um, and it's usually women who do that. And I think it's good that they do that because I would never say something like that. Um, but they describe, I think the point is that is how they describe how they're feeling in that moment. And they use social media to do that. It's this expression, at least I think, from a male point of view, of their real selves in this snapshot moment in time. So they say this is their resting face. And I think what they mean or what some of those persons mean is that this is my mood right now. And then there are people who use uh, GIFs to represent that or cartoon characters to represent that or something else. But I think what I'm trying to get to is this cultivation of identity. What is that for you? Are you comfortable with that? Are you comfortable with this other self? And is this other self that you've created, is that created for business purposes? Is that created for some kind of career purpose? Or is it genuinely Look, here I am. Hello, world. I'm here. Hi, follow me. Is that the cultivation of, of your online self? Is your online personality reflective of your real personality? And is your real personality vice versa, reflected in your online, you know, or reflective of it? I mean, obviously, I think all of us put our real selves to a degree in the online accounts we have. But I don't know if our online identities are our true selves. Now, I can speak for me and I will speak for me alone. And I can say, yes, what you see, <laughs> what you see from me on Twitter is certainly... Uh, a manifestation, I think, of how I think about the world. Um, some have felt that I, and I, it's okay. I mean, it's it's what I present to you, uh, that I'm a very serious person, which is true, but I love to have fun. I absolutely do. I, I love to have fun, and I do. People who, who really know me know that about me. Um, 
But as I've often said about this podcast, this is not a podcast for happy, clappy, trappy uh, talk. I mean, there will be times where that happens on this podcast. Do not get me wrong. I am not all, (laughs) I am not all Mr. Serious all the time here. I mean, there are times. And I think if you've listened to this, uh, this podcast long enough, you will have discerned those. And I, and I am capable of laughing on a podcast episode, which which you know to be true if you are a regular listener. Um, so um, all of that is to say, you know, yes, um, I don't curse really on this podcast, but yes, on Twitter, yeah, I do. In life, yes, I do. Not um, probably less in life, in real life, I think, quite a bit less in real life than I do on Twitter, but I, I curse. Look, we all curse. I mean, goodness. Anybody who says that they don't curse in real life is lying. <laughs> they are lying to you. I'm sorry. Now, someone tell me that they don't curse in real life. Oh, please. And I, I, I do want to say, um, guests who come on this podcast are allowed to curse. They are allowed to curse. Because I you know I do think, by the way, again, I am really off top. I don't know. I didn't have my Wheaties this morning or my uh, my porridge or my oatmeal. I didn't have it. Oh, oh, dear. But they do say that when people curse, it's a reflection of honesty. And I think there's some truth to that. You're saying something. You're punctuating something with your real honest feeling and assessment. You know, and it's very guttural. And it's the way you say that word in particular. So my online identity, the way I think about the world, the way I look at the world, um, the issues that I talk about, I've definitely done activism and work in, in, in a lot of those realms and plan to do a lot more of it. You know, the, the, this is all... This is no mirage. This is this is who you hear and who you see online. And that's not a fake. That's not, a, a, you know, a pretense at all. And this issue of pretense, right? And then you meet the... Have you ever met somebody on Twitter or Instagram in real life? And you've had your expectations blown out of the water. Negatively or positively, you know, you you meet someone online in in real life and you say, that's a decent person, much more decent than their Twitter account. (laughs) Or you say, what a scumbag. Oh, Jesus. No personality. No social skills. Looks like a street urchin. Oh, that's so bad. That is so bad to say, but it's the truth. Damn it, it's the truth. <laughs> so I've, I've probably, you know, I think ever met maybe two people on Twitter that, uh, um, and I think both of them were in New York, actually. And this is several years back. Um, but, but um, two, no, yeah, they were both in New York. Or what, no, three of them, two in New York, one in San Francisco. And there were two positive interactions. And then there was one that was, oh, my God. <laughs> this is the, <laughs> what the hell did I ever think I was going 
gonna. T- it was just. Oh my gosh, you've have you had those? Have you had those kinds of meetings? Whether it's good or pos- positive or negative, but uh, actually, I'm gonna go talk about the negative ones. When you've met someone online, and it doesn't have to be Twitter, it could be uh, Facebook, it could be Instagram. And of course, these meetings aren't going to happen in person now. They're probably going to happen on Zoom or on something else, right? And you and you meet, the, but I'm talking about when you pre-2020, when you've met someone and, you're, and maybe you had expectations about the kind of person that you were going to be meeting, or maybe you didn't. And then when you met them, you said, oh, no, I am never going to talk to you again. And not only that, I'm going to unfollow your ass. <laughs> you, are, you, you know, <laughs> you know this. And, and, and particularly to women who are listening to me right now, you probably have, I dare say, a book in the making of situations like this that I speak of as a, as a man. And, as, and I'm talking about this as a man speaking about it. Um, I really do want to. Uh, eventually I'm going to do this too. Just like the mental health situation as well. I promise, I promise, I promise. And I know I've been talking about that for now for over a month. But I promise they will be. And, I'm, and I had somebody lined up and then... And then um, we've had to um, reschedule and so it's gonna it's in the works I promise in the works in the works um, but but women can you can write this book can't you about I mean it's not just online for, for you um, sadly this happens every day of your life doesn't it and it, and it does vis-a-vis men it might vis-a-vis other women other people but you meet this person and it's, oh dear, you know, this has gone all pear-shaped and really fast pear-shaped. I mean, like, phew. I mean, I, I think every person, every person who is a woman, every woman could write a book about that. And that's another thing too. Online behavior and conduct, which is, and manifestation also of this very same subject matter. And the things that people say online, would they say to someone's face? For example, when I talk about politics, when I talk about race, when I talk about gender and I talk about misogyny and patriarchy, these are things I actually do talk about to people, to their faces in real life. I've been talking about these things to people, to their faces, in real life for decades. And no, I don't want a gold star or any kind of medal. I don't want a medal for this. I don't want any medals. Excuse me, gold stars. I'm sorry. I don't want a medal for this. I'm not looking for any of that stuff, as I've said before. I'm, I'm just saying that this, so this, for me, is not some performance. You know, there are people who perform... And they're performative and we talk about that. I've talked about that here. Um, But none of this stuff that, well, again, people might think otherwise. So of me, but none of the stuff I, I mean, I've worked in this, these areas. Um, I've had conversations with people who work in these areas. I've done work 
in these areas in terms of research. I've done work in these areas, and I'm talking about dealing with issues of patriarchy and and uh, and uh, misogyny and uh, gender violence and these. I, I've absolutely done research on this, spoken to people about it, uh, know people who've been um, survivors of it, um, spent time with them, been have listened to them a lot, a lot, just listening to them telling me their stories and their experience, and they trust me, right? So they tell me this. And so, I mean, I'm not getting on Twitter performing anything. This is stuff that I feel really strongly about and have felt this way about since I've been a kid, since I've been basically a teenager. So um, I just didn't have this big, I didn't have this platform. I didn't have, so. well, social media wasn't around when I was a teenager, that's for sure. Oh God, do I dare tell you how old. Um, But no, so this for me is not performance. Now someone else might think that it is performance. You know, everybody is going to have a perspective on you, just like you're going to have a perspective on me. I'm going to have a perspective on what I see out here. That is all fair game and all well and good. But there is this performative thing. And I think this movie, Ingrid Goes West, I think goes to it a little bit. I'm not, again, I'm not giving anything away. What, you know, what's your online identity, I guess, is what I'm really trying to get at. And do you feel that it is who you are? And what are the implications of that with all this technology and no privacy? Nothing, nothing's private anymore. Absolutely nothing. I mean, people do talk about the most intimate things on social media. And I just don't know if they would talk about those things if there was no social media. Would they just walk down the street in a supermarket and have a conversation with someone in a grocery store and or, or supermarket and say to them, you know, after five minutes of conversation, hi, how are you? My name is, um, you know, Josephina or, and I, and, and I just want to let you know that last week I had uh, triple, triple bypass surgery after five minutes of conversation. Would you, would you, would you, if that was you, would you do that? Hi, hi, my name is Joanza and I, and I just want to let you know that I just had a colonoscopy two weeks ago and you've met and you're Joanza and you've met and you're talking to someone in a library that you've met for five minutes. Or think about this scenario. You're in a, I don't know, a bookstore. And there's a book reading, right? And there's an author there reading from her book. And there's a group of 20 of you who are there to listen. And then it's question time. Not the BBC television question time. Oh, not that one. But questions. Now it's time for you in the audience to ask me a question about my book. And you say, hello, my name is Daniel. Daniel, you're a star in the face of the... But no, my name is Daniel, right? And I want to let you know Can I just ask you this about your book? But first, I want to let you know that 
about half an hour ago, <laughs> I just found out, this is really bad. I think I should change, the, change this. I just found out half an hour ago that I have been divorced. And I just want to let you know that. Now I'll talk about your book. Can you tell me about what page 37 means? I mean, I know that's just really facetious and not the best example. But this is what is going on online. I think that is an example. What I just said, that last one, is an example of people that you've never met in life, right? You have five minutes in this book gathering, book club thing. You know, you're at a bookstore in pre-COVID days with these 20 people. And, you know, you're asked, you're Daniel. And Daniel is telling you, I just got divorced. And people do that online, right? Uh, I, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes. I honestly, because we, I think people do this. And I did an episode right near the beginning of this calendar year about this, about grief and how it manifests itself and how it manifests itself online and, and the, the ethics or, or, or non-ethics or of people who announce these really intimate things about someone they've lost. And is that something that you feel comfortable with or not? And I've got a mixed response when I've done my impromptu Twitter polls on this. I've, I've had mixed responses about it. And then very tentative ones. People that are very reluctant, even on an anonymous poll, very reluctant to put forth their response to whether that is something that they're comfortable with or not. What do they think? What are their first reactions to someone saying, I've lost so-and-so and so? I've got to tell you, and I don't think I dialogued it very well that episode. That was January 2nd of this year, 2021. And one of the things I don't think I said properly, which I should have, was that there was someone online, and I may have said it, but there was someone on Twitter this month or last month who had said, well, I put out that I lost someone and I didn't get nearly as many responses as someone else who put out that they lost someone. So can you please give me some love? What? What? Now, come on. That must be someone who really did not lose a loved one or a person dear to them. That sounds like someone who's doing some kind of parody. Or is it? I mean, that's, can you imagine? I didn't get enough responses to someone I lost when I posted it on Twitter. I didn't get enough responses to it. So can you please give me some more? Because that person over there with that Twitter account, he or she or they got more people responding to them and, and giving them condolences. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, but this is the world we live in. This is the world we live in. This is the online world we live in. Now put your head around that one for just a moment. I'm 
I'm still trying to get over that. What I just said at the end of that last segment there. I'm not making that up. I am not. Look, I just want people to know. Anything I'm saying here to you is not being made up for effect or anything. This is truth. This is fact. This is what happens. These are experiences that I have observed and seen. And I wish I had screenshotted that. I really do, you know, but I didn't. (laughs) I didn't. That was just truly incredible to me. And I think, I thought to myself, by the way, is that the path we've come down? We've, we really? I'm not, you know, and I've said this before, I would never post personally um, those kinds of things on, on online because I just, I don't know. I just think there's a level of sacredness to that that I really think is important. Now, I'm not against other people doing it, obviously. If people do that, if you do that, I'm not looking down on you, down at you or anything. I just wouldn't do that. I'm not comfortable doing that, you know? There has to be some kind of level of privacy and intimacy and those kinds of things. And, I, and I'm old-fashioned, I guess. And so I think that that's the, 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 the protocol. That's the, uh, the digestible strain that I approach this from. Um, but look, everybody does do this now because, you know, you have celebrity accounts and estate. Look, you know, how do you find out about people who've passed away, right? It's from Twitter mostly or, you know, that, or Instagram. Those are the places where you find that out there before you find that out on television or before you find that out on a website. You know, every time you're on Twitter and you're looking at the trend line and you see somebody's name, you're like, bloody hell, are they dead? Have they died? Have they got? Good Lord. I mean, I did this with Billy Joel a couple of weeks ago. It's all Billy Joel's name. And that's what it's all about. Mama, if that's moving up then I'm moving out (laughs) so I saw I saw Billy Joel's name and I thought bloody hell I mean you're bracing because at this point you've already had 2020 with a record number of, of people famous and not famous who've passed away and the the procession of death continues doesn't it I mean, death is a part of life, but not your online life, is it? I mean, my God, everything you... Billy Joel, oh boy. And I said, I tweeted out, like in two weeks ago, is Billy Joel still alive? And somebody said to me, <laughs> and I, I think the person may be listening to this, to this episode, <laughs> said to me, of course, why would you ask something like that? <laughs> and I explained that, you know, I, given this environment that we're in, and when I see this trending, and it was trending, I think, perhaps in the UK, that's probably why people were like, you know, what? Why are you doing that? Um, and it turned out to be something completely different. It was something complete. And it was, it was I think, that um, I, I, it was, I think, Christy Brinkley, his former spouse, former spouse, um, had some kind of hit. I was told that that uh, I found out uh, that he had some. I was told by uh, someone on Twitter that um, 
you know, I, 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 I found out that this, there was something else going on with Christy Brinkley. Um, and it's just, it was just, it was incredible. But, but the whole point is not the Christy Brinkley story. The whole point is, my goodness me, there's a catalog of things that we expose about ourselves that we would never expose if we were talking to someone that we'd met for five minutes. In fact, you've never met any of these people. Well, you've met some of the people that you are following or they are following you, right? That happens. But generally speaking, most of the people who follow you have never met you and you never ever will meet them. And maybe that's just as well. (laughs) Maybe that's just as well for you. (laughs) Oh, dearie me, I could tell you some stories. Could I tell you some stories? And then, you, and then you meet them and then you mute them. Isn't that mute button a thing of beauty, though? I mean, in some respects, it's even better than the block button because at least they don't know that you've been... I mean, I bet you I know it. May, I, I mean, have you muted somebody and <laughs> still followed them? See, I can't do that. I can mute somebody and I have to unfollow them or block them or whatever. I mean, isn't that like the big lie? You go and you, you mute somebody, and, but, but you still follow them. <laughs> Why do people do that? <laughs> I've gotten completely away from the subject, haven't I, of online identity. Is it a protection? Do you find that if you are... If you, how, how much do you believe in your online identity? And I don't mean, is it real or is it fake? I mean, how much do you invest in it? Do you use it for a sense of preservation and protection? Have you ever thought about it that way? Have you ever thought about your online identity being a protection for you? Or do you find that your online identity is the opposite? Do you find that you are targeted? I'm sure that everybody who is female listening to me will absolutely say, hell yes, I do, because it happens every second of every day. And I can say as a man, all I have to do is look at the ratios. When women talk about issues, look at the ratios on Twitter of the people who are responding versus the people who are retweeting it. Now, that's not true in every case. There's lots of cases where women are on Twitter and they're talking and a woman is talking about an issue. And if you're a woman out there listening, you you relate to this and you get a lot of good support for what you're speaking about, especially at something really uh, close to you and intimate. Um, and here I go now. This is five minutes after I've said, well, I would never you know, talk about that. But again, if people do that, I, I mean, I have no, why would I have an issue with that? That's their expression. They have an absolute right to say how they feel and say what they think about something. That's what it's, why it's called social media. As a woman, though, listening to this, if you're a woman listening to this, you know, right? When you have a ratio where you've tweeted, you have a retweet of what you've said, and then there's all these men, particularly, it's usually men or people who use, or put, put it like this, or men who use female avatars because they're bots or trolls and they're saying all this nasty stuff about you, calling you names and ugh, 
I mean, I look at Speaker Pelosi. I, I pick her out first because that's the first person I mentioned. Speaker Pelosi. That's the first person I thought of. And every time she tweets something, she, she gets retweets. The number of comments she gets is always twice as many as the retweets. And I go through the comments and a lot of them are very positive, by the way. And then there's a lot of them that aren't. And it's clearly based on this misogynistic outlook. And it's clearly based on this sexist outlook. I mean, that's unmistakable. So for Speaker Pelosi, that online identity for her, for example, or any black politician, for example, that's their, that's their political account. That's their account where they're being genuine, doing their political and government business. And they're doing that as their official business, where they're getting personally attacked. Now, political attacks... That I think there's a degree of fair game to that as long as it doesn't get vituperative and nasty in the sense that you're personalizing it. I mean, I know I'm guilty of this. I have criticized Republican politicians endlessly and some Democratic ones too and libertarians and everybody. <laughs> Flamethrowing to my heart's delight, to my heart's content. Flamethrowing. Oh, dear me. But these are identities that politicians are using versus their private identities. And then there's celebrities who use their celebrity identity and it's really, really them. Like Liam Gallagher, uh, formerly of Oasis. That is really Liam Gallagher. (laughs) You know, I mean, I've interviewed... A lot of the celebrity, celebrity them in film. I've interviewed a number over the years, a number of filmmakers, actors, all part of the same profession, you know, producers, directors, blah, 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 all of that. And a lot of those conversations are quite good. Well, actually, about 25% of them are quite good. And the rest of them are just absolutely a waste of time. You do not learn anything. You do not get anything. It's all scripted. It's that they've studied, and I know I'm stepping on toes. They are, they've studied the responses of every possible question. It's like prepping for a political debate, presidential debate. And you don't get anything about them. It's about the movie and that's it. And I'm not one of these... Uh, scandal-mongering interviewers who's looking for dirt. I'm not the National Enquirer or, what is it, Um, uh, TMZ. I'm not TMZ. I'm just there to have a genuine conversation with with one of these entertainers from Hollywood or from the independent world. And, you know, when you've swallowed a a book, when you've swallowed a script, you know, not a book, when you've, when you've swallowed, when you've swallowed, when you've you've swallowed a book of talking points, you cease to become interesting. Come on. Come on now. I mean, you don't get anything from that. But then again, people will not let their guard down if they don't trust you. If they don't feel comfortable with you, 
they will not let their guard down. And I mean by that, they will not be more forthcoming, which is why I, I paid tribute to Larry King the other day in that respect, is that he made people feel comfortable. And that's why you had everybody on his show. Not because he is... Uh, I mean, Larry King was a very good interviewer, but he wasn't like the, you know, there's other interviewers who do really good jobs, right? And Larry King was just a casual guy who had, he knew how to converse with people. And that's the thing that made his show work. He had that real gift to just get down to earth with people and not try to punish them. So, you know, these online identities and when you get to meet the people that you have been following, particularly, by the way, in the celebrity realm, some of the individuals are very interesting. I don't want to name the people who are and aren't. Because that, I mean, I've, that's not fair. <laughs> I do want to name some of the good people. I really do. I'm going to name one of them. Viola Davis. Viola Davis is amazing. I mean, amazing is a word that we throw around every second of every day. But Viola Davis is an absolute joy to talk to. So is Ruby Dee and Ossie Davis. I got to meet them. Just that was more casual. And they were royalty. Absolute royalty they were. They were the loveliest, loveliest people. And very happy together too. You could see it. And this is back in the 90s, I think I met them. In Harlem. or Yeah, in Harlem. Such a beautiful, just a beautiful couple. Oh, that would just... And they're now resting in peace together, resting in power together, you know? By the way, I do want to mention about Ruby D, and I did mention this on Twitter, at the popcorn, R-E-E-L. There are seven sensational films featuring Ruby D that will be available on the Criterion channel, which you can find um, both uh, on Twitter and uh, on the web someplace online. And those are going to be featured on the Criterion channel from February the 11th. Forget what day of the week that is, either a Tuesday or a Thursday. I think it's a Thursday from February the 11th. So check those out. There's seven films. I believe one of them is including, oh gosh, I don't want to get the names of these films wrong, so I won't mention them. But these are seven films. And by the way, Ruby D is also in, that's right, The Incident, which of course, uh, as I've said, I can't stop thinking about that movie for all kinds of haunting reasons uh, that I, I, need to, I need to really get rid of that movie out of my head. But I'm fascinated by that movie. And Ruby D is in it, by the way. And, and that movie has a great cast of other people too. You've got the great one and only Ruby D, um, who needs to have more film. They need to do more film. They, whoever they are, need to do more film retrospectives about Ruby D. Her work has been so dark. Her work was legend. And, you know, again, we're in a racist society and a sexist society and a misogynoiristic society. So Ruby D, right, is not getting the praise that her career absolutely merits. May I just divert once again from the topic of this podcast episode? Ruby D, you must familiarize yourself with her body of work on the big screen. The incident is but one of them. And she plays a fairly small role in an ensemble cast in that fine film. And it's a great film. It's a disturbing film, though. 
Um, and it is film a film that will make, I think, a lot of people, particularly, I think, a lot of women uncomfortable. I mean, I, I already know someone who has seen it, ha, has told me um, that she hated it. Um, and I can completely understand why. Completely understand why. And I wonder if I were a female, if I would hate it, and if I wouldn't be talking about it, waxing on about it like this, because it's a really uncomfortable film. And I find myself being very uncomfortable watching it. But again, Ruby D, you've got to, you've got to. It's a cardinal sin if you don't. You've got to watch her work. A Raisin in the Sun. Can we start there, please? I mean, a fantastic performance. Sidney Poitier, etc., etc., etc. Tremendous film from the, I think, 1963, 61, 57, I forget what year. It was around there somewhere, there. Um, you've got to watch A Raisin in the Sun on the big screen. Of course, it's uh, based on Lorraine Hansberry's fine work. Um, just a terrific work. Lorraine Hansberry, too. Oh, gosh. We have lost them. There's some real great people we've lost. Some really skilled people like a Ruby D, like Lorraine Hansberry. My goodness me. The world, I, the world misses her. I miss her. And Ruby D also, I got to meet, as I said, I got to meet her and her, her husband, you know, Ossie Davis, a giant in his own right. Both of them. Go and watch Do the Right Thing, by the way. That's another one. I'm sure you've seen Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee's film from 1989. Has both of them, Ossie Davis and Ruby D in it. Ruby D's excellent in that. So please, Ruby, and don't wait till February. I know February is Black History Month. And Black History Month is every damn month. Damn it. You know, it ain't just February, the shortest freaking month of the year. Come on, come on, folks. Come on, folks. 28 days. And we got a 29th day last year because it was a leap year in 2020. Come on now. Come on now. Every day is Black History Month. Damn it. No, and I'm serious about that. Every day. So, but my whole point is, Ruby D. And by the way, she was Oscar nominated for American Gangster. You should watch her in that as well. That was one of the last films that she had done before she passed away. And Ruby D was sensational in it. Um, I know some people at the time were saying, well, Ruby D shouldn't have been nominated for that. I was like, no, I think she deserved an Oscar, Oscar nomination. I, I don't think she, um, she didn't win. Um, and I don't think that her performance was the best of the nominated performances, but I definitely think it deserved at least a little recognition. And I'm glad the Academy, even back then in what, 2007 or eight, whenever American, or 2009 or whenever that, that film came out, American Gangster with Denzel and, and Russell Crowe and, um, a few other people. Idris Elba was in that movie. Yeah. Idris Elba was in that movie. Oh boy, does he meet a nasty end. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, but um, Chipotle Agia 4 is in that movie as well, by the way. You have to watch American Gangster. Watch it for Ruby D. I I mean, she's on screen for a few minutes, but she's really good. So Ruby D. that's that's my little segment there on Ruby D. And um, what a, tar- I mean, she's but she was but four foot or five foot whatever. Uh, four foot whatever, but what a 
What a wonderful human being she was. Oh, dear. I don't think she'd be on. Would she be on Twitter if she were still here? Do you think she'd be on Twitter? I think she's too cool for that. She's too good for Twitter. You know, Ruby D? Ah, no. She wouldn't be on Twitter. Uh, I mean, Violet Davis is on Twitter, though. But I don't think Ruby D would go anywhere near Twitter. You know? I just think she... I mean, Dionne Warwick's on Twitter, though. And, and she's marvelous. Speaking about online identities. But what is your online identity? Do you believe in it? Does it help you? Has your online identity hurt you? Has it benefited you? Like I said, has it helped you? Have you had to change it to escape these uh, male stalkers? Right? Because they are almost exclusively male. There are some female stalkers. I mean, before Twitter, there was... Well, I'm not going to go into it. I, 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 that's for a book. <laughs> I have to write a book. <laughs> oh, dearie me. I am so terrible. Um, no, seriously, though. I, I don't want to make... This is not to be made light of, light of at all. Right? Have you had to change your online identity? Because people had... We've had a lot of people had to do that. Because they literally are being followed online. And these platforms are controlled by men. These platforms are being controlled and are controlled and owned by white men. Under 40. And they set the parameters, set the strictures for all of our personal interactions online. So that people get suspended, I have, for some BS to do with copyright, which I've talked about here before, a copyright thing. It wasn't, you know, anything indecent. It was, oh, I, I put five seconds of, a, of the walkout to a Watford football club. Um, so, you know, anyway, it's just stupid. It, was pre, it wasn't even the pre-match introduction. It was a walkout, walking onto the pitch. Five seconds of that. <laughs> and that got me suspended. I had to get a new account. I didn't change my identity. I just mildly changed the name of the account. And that, that's mine. That's my story. What's yours? And then you go on, on Twitter and you see all these accounts. And you're like, what is this doing on here? And they're not suspended. Not suspended at all. It's like, I'm telling you. This is the discrimination too, folks. The gender discrimination, the race discrimination. Online, you've got white men controlling these platforms. And in addition to that, it's the mindset, right? That you're going to suspend me, yours truly, for some BS. And copyright's very serious, don't get me wrong. But to be suspended and, and have no account left for five seconds. <laughs> and then you look over here and someone's following you or someone's liked your tweet and you click on it. And it's a freaking porn account. And it's like, come on, 
Come on. But no, that's not suspended, right? The misogyny, we're not going to suspend that, right? Oh, no. We're going to have porn accounts. <laughs> oh, we'll let them be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> it's like, come on, folks. Come on now. I mean, I've situated, seriously, I look at some of my tweets and someone has liked them and it's some freaking, and you look at the account and see who it is and you're like, what is this? Uh, Jack, are you going to look at this over here? Are you going to suspend this? Like, dude, are you going to do something? But again, again, this is what happens. And, and my, I guess ultimately, when I talk about this whole thing about online identities and platform and this and that, is that how do we create these? Well, we can. We have to be able to, we are doing it, create these spaces of communication. And it's being done by women. It's being done by black people. There's black Twitter, right? There's, you know, but even beyond black Twitter, which is just gold. There are places where people, whether it's on different online platforms that are not Twitter and Facebook and things like that, where people are connecting in these safe spaces. I mean, there are these god-awful things like Parler and Reddit and whatever the hell it's called. Well, not Reddit, 4chan or whatever the hell it is. I don't know. Where the where they're trying to shut... I hope they shut that crap down. That Well, Parler's pretty much done. But the, these are toxic, dangerous places where people can spew their garbage. And people say, well, that's free speech, but hate speech ain't free. Sorry, it ain't. Supreme Court has said that. Forget the exact case. Right? When the, the shouting crowd of uh, fire in the crowded theater, right? I think some of that was established in, well, there's a place, there's a case called Tinker, which dealt with the wearing of an armband in connection with the draft, I think. But anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. My uh, Supreme Court uh, law school experience um, dwindles and, and pay. I mean, I remember some of it, this stuff has been such a long time. But the point is that I think ultimately online identities or not, my conclusion about all this is there needs to be some, especially with a pandemic that's going on and it's not going to go away anytime soon, sadly. There needs to be these spaces of safety. And Zoom, to an extent, is... By the way, on Zoom, let me tell you something about Zoom really quickly. Make sure you log into Zoom, not through the Zoom app, but do it through the web portal. Sign into it. I don't know if you do. That's a word of advice to anybody who uses Zoom. Do not use the app. Why? Because the app can be corrupted. The app can be absolutely corrupted. But do it through online, the Zoom online portal, zoom.us or whatever. Sign in through that on the web, please. I'm telling you, do it. It's much better. Zoom has still got some work to do. You've got to do it. So that's another whole thing. But I ultimately think people have, we have to create these spaces where we have a certain level of control or we have to just flat out own the stuff. I almost said the other word. I, I own the, you know what, beginning of an S. We have to own it, right? We, we have to own that content, own that space. Gosh, imagine you can't own, I mean, we've experienced that as black people. We can't even own the space we have as human beings because we were constantly enslaved. And even today, that's true. We can't own the space. We can't walk down the blooming street. We can't 
bird watch in Central Park. We can't sell water in front of our stoop and be six years old and black. We can't, you know, I can go on and on, right? So we can't do that. Our spaces are constantly being policed in real life. So I'm not even talking now about the online line. Forget the online stuff where you've got Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and all these people policing every goddamn thing that you think or say. I mean, I'm going to put it like 1984 and like Aldous Huxley and Brave New World. You can't move a blooming muscle without being advised about, well, I mean, obviously, if it's hate speech and, and any of these other hate things, yeah, they, there's definitely a problem with it. But wait, wait, you're not closing down all this this garbage over here? It is sm- smut? Oh, my God. Talk about online identity. Uh, we should start to look at the identities of people who are allowing misogyny to flare and to flourish, right? And not punishing that, right? But me, oh, I mean, I know I'm being selfish. I personalize it, right? But five seconds of online, of a, of a pre-match walkout on the field get, oh, you're suspended. <laughs> I lose the count. I had so many, anyway, I, nah, that's an outtake extra where I'm going to rant and complain about that. But I think it's better than tracking how many followers I've lost or gained. (laughs) See, that's another thing. Does your online identity affect your mentality about things? Because they're honestly, again, I alluded to this earlier, this mental health component, which I really want to drill into and will soon, I promise. Does it affect your mentality? Oh my goodness, this cannot be the end of this conversation. So put a pin in this. Give it some thought, please, won't you? Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. <laughs>